All right, here we go. Let's go to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 17. The book of Ezekiel, chapter 17. I know what you're thinking. How in the world are you in the book of Ezekiel? I'm going to help you a little bit. When you just glance at the Christmas story in Scripture, it almost seems like God didn't invest much into the birth of Jesus. A lowly parent, born in a barn, laid in a manger, and announced to mere shepherds, and if you just viewed, viewed this story in a customary or familiar way, we can truly miss the profound and substantial meaning of this day. You see, it goes deep, deeper and it carries more meaning than a customary holiday story. The birth of Christ was thought out and planned in intricate detail by the Almighty Creator Himself. I like the way the book of Ezekiel explains it, verses 22 through 24. Thus says the Lord God, I myself... We'll take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and we'll set it out. I will break off from the topmost of its young twigs a tender one, and I myself will plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain height of Israel will I plant it, that it may bear branches and produce fruit and become a noble cedar. And under it will dwell every kind of bird. When I do this, it's going to be a place of shelter for every type of bird. In the shade of its branches, birds of every sort will nest, verse 24, and all the trees of the field shall know that I am the Lord. I bring low the high tree. Anybody glad about that? And I make high the low tree. Dry up the green tree and make the dry tree flourish. Some of our lives were like dry trees. I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it. Then we turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. And the only way Paul can respond to this amazing grace of God is to write these words. 2 Corinthians 9 and 15. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. And I want to help you today, and I want to, I want to talk to you a little bit on this topic, understanding the value of the gift. Anybody get a good gift today? Well, guess what? Tonight we have an opportunity to celebrate the greatest gift ever given in the entire world. God, we come to you today. First off, we give you honor. Thank you for robing yourself in flesh and showing up so that we can have redemption. I pray blessings over every individual here. Let me speak your word clearly, God. Let us leave your understanding more intently the value of the gift that we have. In Jesus' name we pray. Somebody shout amen. amen. Give the Lord one more hand clap of praise. You may be seated. Hey, don't leave too soon. We're baptizing somebody in Jesus' name on Christmas Day. How special is that? Christmas to many can be a costly and stressful time of year. Can I hear an amen? Because for most people, it's a time to buy for family and friends. And that's even the theme of the song, The 12 Days of Christmas. According to PNC Bank, if you were to buy rent, buy or rent the gifts mentioned in that song, The 12 Days of Christmas, it would cost you $214.99 for the partridge in the pear tree. 
$290 for the two turtle doves, $181.50 for three French hens, $599.96 for four calling birds. Five golden rings would set you back $750. And PNC Bank goes through all the 12 gifts of Christmas or the 12 days of Christmas. And the grand total for everything mentioned in the 12 days of Christmas was a total of $34,130.99. Broke. That's what you are. Also, I recently came across an older list on a website of unspeakable gifts. It said this, that a Jaguar 220, if you want one, you have to order it, and you have to put down an $80,000 deposit. They only make 250 a year. The balance of 507000 will be due after your deposit. New car wax for that Jaguar will cost you $3,400 for an 8-ounce can. A gold and silver toilet seat inlaid with precious stones will cost you $300,000. Do you know they make an $18,000 Frisbee? A $10,000 yo-yo? A $12,000 mousetrap? And even a $27,000 pair of sunglasses. And for the proud grandparent who's wondering what to buy the new grandbaby, how about a $28,000 pacifier? That's staggering. Listen, I can tell you right now, Christmas is expensive. It may not be that expensive, but it will set you back a fair amount of money. Who spent too much money on Christmas this year? Look at the hands all over this house. I've heard a lot of people talk about how much they spend on the gifts for their families. Many spend at least $100 on each of their kids and maybe more for their spouses. Then there's the $50 or $60 that they spend on parents and, or other relatives. One person once said, anyone who says it's the thought that counts usually can't afford the gift that you want. So if somebody says, hey, it's the thought that counts, they don't have any money to buy the gift that you wanted for Christmas. The truth is we all love gifts, and today is a reminder about the ultimate gift. Didn't show up in a stocking, was not under a tree. This gift is not a what, but a who. And when God gave us this gift, it didn't show up in splendor. It was almost like God just literally said, hey, here's this gift. If you look at it on surface view, you would think, does God even really care? Jesus was raised by a struggling couple who were just common people. He was born in a barn. It was one of the most insignificant villages of the day, laid in a feeding trough. And then when God sent his angel out to announce the birth of the Messiah, who does he send his angels to? Shepherds. You'd think God would at least send them to kings or priests or someone with more influence in prominent cities like Jerusalem or Athens or Rome. But no, God sends the host of heaven to shepherds keeping watch over their flock in the field. One preacher noted that shepherds were despised and unwanted. They were unimportant and personally, politically, and financially. They were on the lowest end of the spectrum. In our text, when God described the coming of the Messiah, this is what he said, I myself will take a shoot from the very top of a cedar and plant it. I will break off a tender sprig from its topmost shoots. Jesus was going to come forth as a shoot, a tender sprig. That's not real impressive to me. And that's just the way that God planned it. This same message is driven home time and time again by the prophets. In Isaiah 53 and 2, the word said this, For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. 
He had no form of majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. The word stresses that the Messiah wouldn't be impressive. There's no beauty. There's no majesty. There's nothing to make him attractive or desirable to us. Now, why on earth would God do it this way? Look, we all love big gifts. We all love to impress people. We all want people to look at us. But it's almost as if God sent Jesus for people that would look beyond the surface and say there's more to the story. That was precisely the present he intended to give us with Jesus. When people buy gifts for others for Christmas, if they like you, they'll spend a lot of time on the gift. How many can say amen to that? It may not cost a lot of money, but time and effort went into it. Last year at Christmas, I gave Tiffany one of these gifts, literally planned it out. Got on a website. I found this clock, and on the picture, this clock looked like it was going to be the size of, of not this screen, maybe one of those screens. And I was going to put, you know what? I was going to put the date that we started dating and that she was my forever bride. And I got the clock in the mail. And this is it right here if you'll throw that picture on the screen. Y'all, it was the size of a donut. But look, when I gave it to her, I gave it to her like, hey, look, I know it may be a small clock, but wait till you see what's on it. Joshua and Tiffany established February the 28th, 2003. So it was our wedding date, not the day we started dating. But I'll never forget, I was so proud of it. And when she got it in her hands, I was expecting her to say, baby, what a thoughtful gift. And she got it and giggled and said, what is this? I said, that's the clock that you're going to put in our living room. And when everybody comes into our house, they're going to see this gift. So we did. We, we put it in our kitchen uh, right by the guest bathroom. Because <laughs> when a guest comes over, they got to go to the bathroom. There it is right there. They can see it. But it's not the amount behind the gift, but the thought that makes the gift. Just right. She brought me yesterday, uh, last night, we opened stockings Christmas Eve, and, and literally she got me one of the greatest gifts that, that any wife could ever get a husband. It was, it was dad joke cards. And I sit in my chair for 30 minutes, and I read those dad jokes to my whole family. Because it wasn't the amount. It was the thought that, count, that counts. And that's what God that's what he did. When you look at Jesus, you may say, well, man, there's no majesty there. There's nothing really to look at and be impressed by. But guess what? He still sent us the right gift. He sent us exactly what we needed. You see, there was something about this Messiah that the way that he was wrapped, that was a part of that gift. It's revealed in part of Ezekiel's prophecy. I, the Lord, bring down the tall tree and make the low tree to grow tall. I'll dry up the green tree and make the dry tree flourish. That's almost the same prophecy Isaiah declared about John the Baptist. Isaiah 4 and 4, every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill will be made low. And the uneven ground shall become level and the rough plains, rough places a plain. You know what the word is saying right there? It's saying that he was going to level the playing field for everybody. 
He's going to take the insignificant and un, the undesirable, and he's going to make them to grow tall and to flourish. So it doesn't matter what your background is. It don't matter where you came from. All that matters is you've got a Savior that said if you feel like a, a, a dry tree, guess what? He said, I can do something with your life. If you feel broken and out of place and tired and weary, that's what Christmas is about. And he would bring the self-righteous, unrepentant, and the powerful to their knees because we are all equal at the foot of the cross. I love that. We're all equal at the foot of the cross. Nobody's bigger than anybody else. Nobody's better than anybody else. And that's what Jesus said was his purpose in coming to this earth. Luke 19 and 10. He told us, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And again, in Mark 2 and 17, he said, it's, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've come to call, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. If we were perfect, there would be no need for him. If we had all the answers to life, we would not need a Savior. If we were whole, we would never call on him. But in that we are broken, hurting, wounded people, there is a perfect gift that was wrapped the perfect way to let me know there would be hope on December the 25th, 2022. Since we are sick, guess what? A healer is the perfect gift. Since we are sinful, a Savior is the perfect gift. Since we are troubled, a Prince of Peace is the perfect gift. We all need the gift of the manger today. I love what Apostle Paul said. Yeah, Apostle Paul wrote majority of the New Testament. Literally, people would, would, would literally come to hear Apostle Paul preach. They would show up. When Apostle Paul showed up, there was a crowd that showed up. But this is what he said. In 1 Timothy 1 and 15, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Today reminds me that every one of us during this Christmas season, according to Apostle Paul, one of the greatest and most prolific writers ever to write in this word, said that he was the worst of sinners. So it reminds me today that everybody in this building has sinned and have come short to the glory of God. Every one of us during this Christmas season needs exactly what God gives. We need forgiveness. We need a second chance. We need the blood of Jesus. We need the peace of God. We need the joy of his spirit. The gift was in that stable in Bethlehem was exactly what we need today. Everything, everything in the birth of Christ was meticulously designed to declare that Jesus didn't show up to impress the mighty and powerful or the self-righteous. That Jesus showed up to lift up the fallen, heal the sick, and save the lost. What a gift. That's why Jesus was born in an insignificant village. That's why he was born in a lowly barn and laid in a feeding trough. That's why. That's why when the angels announced his birth, they didn't go to Jerusalem or Athens or Rome and put on a display before the rich and mighty. No. They went to mere shepherds to tell them that there was a Savior that showed up for them. And as someone said in a poem, I'm so glad he was not born in some rich palace bed. I'm so glad to know it was a lowly place instead, a place where soft-eyed cows and sheep were sheltered and were fed. For to the country born of earth, a stable will, never, will ever be a wholesome place where night comes down with its tranquility. A place of heart's ease and content for all who choose to see. And so I like to think of him first opening his eyes 
in that good elemental place beneath the friendly skies. That the men of fields could find him there as well as the great and the wise. But there's more. Ezekiel 17, 23 through 24. This is what he says about the Messiah. And I'm almost done. On the mountain height of Israel will I plant it, that it might bear branches and produce fruit and become a noble cedar. And under it will dwell every kind of bird in the shade of its branches. Birds of every sort will nest. And all the trees of the field shall know that I am the Lord. I bring low the high tree and I make high the low tree. Dry up the green tree and make the dry tree flourish. I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it. Notice what Jesus came to do. Number one, to give everybody shelter. I'm glad today that in every season of my life that I've got a Savior that I can call on that gives me shelter. You know why else? The second reason Jesus showed up, notice what Ezekiel said. He showed up to lift us up and to make us grow tall. I'm glad that he never gives up on me. I'm glad that he never turns his back on me. I'm glad that Christmas is about him reaching down and making me grow taller. Number three, refresh us as a dry tree would be made to flourish. This is the heart of the gift that God gave on Christmas. You see, Jesus didn't come or show up on this earth so we could have beautiful trees decorated with tinsel and garland. He didn't come so we could buy one another presents wrapped in pretty paper. He didn't come so Santa could deliver gifts and have some cookies and milk. He didn't come so we could have Black Fridays and discounted Internet sales. He didn't come so we could have Hallmark movies and Christmas parades. And I'm not against any of that. But that's not why Jesus showed up. Jesus came for one basic reason, to change lives, to lift us up out of our guilt and our shame, to refresh us by satisfying our desire to be made right with him and to shelter us from all the accusations of our past. When the enemy brings up our past, we've got a redeemer that showed up in Bethlehem, born in a manger so that I can have redemption. Someone put it this way. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. But since our greatest need was forgiveness, God sent us a Savior. Do we really understand how great this gift is? He descended so that we can one day ascend. He became poor so that we can become spiritually rich. He was born so that we might be born again. He became a servant that we might become sons. He had no home that we might have a home in heaven one day. He was hungry that we might be fed. He was thirsty that we might be satisfied. He was stripped that we might be clothed. He was forsaken that we might not ever be forsaken. He was sad that we might one day become glad. He was bound that one day we might could go free. He was made sin that one day we can be made the righteousness of God. He died that we might live. He came down so that one day we can get caught up. One last thought. At the beginning of this sermon, I suggested that it didn't seem that God put much time into this gift called Jesus. I referenced that. Because I wanted you to think, did God really spend much on his gift when he gave us Jesus? Of course, we know that that statement's not true. 
Because John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So today I've come to let the enemy know, I'm not just going to view it surface level. I'm going to go deeper than that and understand that God put a lot of time and a lot of thought and a lot of effort to sending us the perfect gift that he would know we would need on December the 25th, 2022. And Philippians tells us a little bit more about what it costs. Philippians 2, 6 through 8. Who being born in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. And was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He was fully human and he was fully God. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. If anyone deserved to be served, it was Jesus. He existed in the form of God. But he didn't consider his equality with God as something to be exploited for his own gain. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant. He made himself nothing. The king of heaven became a servant. He'd been robed in majesty, but he stripped off majesty and he put on flesh. I read a story about a missionary that was leaving the country of his labor. And an elderly man brought him a gift. And this particular gift comes from only a remote area of that country. And the missionary said, you shouldn't have walked so far. That's too long of a journey to bring me a gift. The reply was, the long journey is a part of the gift. You see, what I want us to understand today is that a part of this this really unspeakable gift is how far Jesus came to get to us. He came a long way. Think about that. To stoop from eternity into time was a part of the gift. To leave a throne, to lie in a manger was a part of the gift. And ultimately, he allowed himself to be humiliated and to suffer as he died on the cross for our sins. And you remember them shepherds? This is why you got to go beyond the service. You remember those shepherds? Jesus wouldn't be a lamb. He would be the lamb. Shortly after the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem, watch, watch this. Look how far he went. Look how meticulous this was. Look how intricate it was. Shortly after the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem, an angel of the Lord appeared to shepherds guarding their sheep at night and announced to them, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And a sign is given to them that you would find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a of all the possible signs that could, could have been given to these shepherds, why did the Lord choose a baby lying in a manger and wrapped in swaddling clothes? Why? Why is that so significant? Many scholars believe that, that these were no ordinary shepherds. We think shepherds, and we're like, man, these were ordinary shepherds. These, these wasn't ordinary shepherds. Many believe they were Levitical shepherds, trained and charged with the responsibility of tending and guarding the flocks used for sacrifices in the temple in Jerusalem. And it was time, and when it was time for one of their flocks to give birth, the shepherds would bring the sheep into one of the caves surrounding Bethlehem that were used for this purpose. And these birthing caves were kept in a state of ritual purity since these lambs were destined to be used as sacrifices in the temple. In fact, many of the male lambs were born around Bethlehem 
And the male lambs that were born around Bethlehem would be used for the Passover. And since there was no room at the inn, Mary and Joseph used one of these caves around Bethlehem. And the Messiah was not born in a stable behind some Motel 6. He was born in one of the many caves used for birthing these sacrificial lambs because he himself would be the ultimate sacrificial lamb. Not only, not only, not only would the location of Jesus' birth be significant to these shepherds, but so would the fact that he would be wrapped in swaddling clothes. These shepherds were responsible for making sure that the newborn lambs did not not contract defects for only animals without spot or blemish could be used as sacrifice, as a sacrifice in the temple. Baby lambs are clumsy when they are born. So many scholars believe that these shepherds would swaddle their newborn lambs in order to prevent these future sacrificial lambs from becoming blemished by injuring themselves on jagged parts of the cave. So the shepherds, priests, who encountered angels, went to a place where the lambs used for the sacrifices were born and swaddled. And there they saw Jesus swaddled like a sacrificial Passover lamb. That's why John the Baptist could one day say, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. Because those shepherds showed up and said he doesn't have any defects. There's nothing wrong with him. He's a perfect Savior. Now it would make more sense as to why a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger would be such a significant sign to these shepherds for it pointed to Jesus bringing both the Lamb of God and the light of the world together. And I believe when Apostle Paul considered all of this, the only way he could respond to this Christmas story was thanks be to God for this indescribable gift, the surpassing grace of God. That was robed in flesh and laid in a manger. It so overwhelms Paul that he doesn't have a vocabulary capable of describing it. It is, in fact, beyond description. That's the kind of grace you need. That's the kind of grace I need in my life. And I don't want to ever cut myself off from the grace of Jesus Christ. It's the greatest gift that's ever been given in the world. Chris, you come back up. Singers, you can get ready. I told y'all, 24 minutes. And I'll close with this story. It's in the birth of Christ that people get introduced to the kind of God we serve. Jean Doolin was a missionary to Europe and told of standing in front of a storefront in Austria. And he was looking at this hand-carved nativity scene. And the figures were a bit larger than life, and it was one of the most beautiful nativities he'd ever seen. As he stood there thinking about the meaning of the nativity, a grandmother stopped with her three-year-old grandchild. She stooped over and began talking with the child. She pointed to Mary, then she pointed to Joseph, and then to the baby. Jean said he couldn't understand her language, but he knew that she was telling the story of Jesus to her grandchild. Then he added, for 2,000 years, parents and grandparents have passed on the story of Jesus, and it has changed millions of lives in the whole world. Today, that's the value of the gift that we celebrate if you look over this building today, none of us would probably be here. I know we wouldn't without Jesus. Nobody. It's the greatest story ever told. It's the message that we bring to the world, the message of a child who is given to lift, lift us up in a world 
that would often tear us down, of a child who was sent to restore, and a child who would give us shelter in a harsh and cruel world. Let me ask you a question today. I know we believe. How many in here is thankful for the mercy and the grace of God? How many is thankful for Jesus Christ? Come on, I said, how many is grateful? Where would we be if a Savior had not shown up? But here we are today, December the 25th. Won't happen again for another 11 years. But I wonder, have we taken a moment and just celebrated how great this gift really is? Have we made this message a part of our Christmas story? Do we really understand how great it is? And I ask you the question today. If you're here, you don't know, you don't know what it is to experience the mercy and the grace that we find in the name that's above every other name. I challenge you today. All you got to do is call on that name. Say, Jesus, I need you. If you've never been filled with the Spirit, today can be a great day. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, today can be a great day. But I know I'm convicted in here today because I want to make sure that he understands that he is the true reason for the season in my life. I wouldn't have anything that I have if it wasn't for him. And I'm not talking about materialistic. I'm talking about spiritual. I wouldn't have no joy. I wouldn't have no peace. I wouldn't have no redemption. I wouldn't have what I have if it wasn't for him. You hear me say it all the time. I can lose my house. I can lose my vehicle. As long as I got Jesus. And I sincerely mean that from the bottom of my heart. He's all I need in my life. I got, we got Braxton and Jackson a journal. And at the bottom of that journal I wrote, if you'll keep him first in his kingdom, he'll add everything else in your life that you need. And today, if we keep him in his kingdom first, he'll add joy. Does anybody need some joy today? I know this can be a rough season. Anybody need some peace? I wonder if we can stand all over the house. I have nothing else fit for a king but a hallelujah. That's all I got. That's all I got. So I wonder if we can lift our hands all over this place just for a moment. And I wonder if we can start thanking him for the gift of redemption. Come on, I wonder if we can call on that name that's above every other name. I wonder if we can take a moment, let the Holy Spirit invade this place. Come on, do we understand the value of the gift? Do we understand the value of the gift? Do we understand the value of the gift? We're going-